Well, it is so good to see you all uh, once again. It's been a couple of months, so we're glad to be back together. You can tell that um, <clears throat> there is a bit of um, um, a limitation on my uh, vocal cords. I, Susie and I left for uh, Houston on the 30th, and um, uh, commercial airlines are wicked. They just, you know, just re-blow that stuff on you. Anyway, so much of the time, not much, but some of the time in Houston was spent sick, and, and I'm on the other end of that, but um, um, that's what, that explains that. But before, uh, two things, um, you know, uh, when, uh, there might be several of you, but I, do, I did meet one, uh, a couple who's never been here before, the Shipleys. And I mean, when you walk into this place with a bunch of mugs like yours, um, it, it's, a, it's a scary thing. And so you know how we welcome people who've been here for the first time. You know, we say, there's the Shipleys, and we say, hello, Shipleys. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. That's how you do it in the South. So where are they? Shipleys, where are you? Wave at us. There they are, right there. So say, hello, There you go. There you go. So uh, <clears throat> poor things. Uh, I saw them coming in here kind of sheepishly, and you know, I can spot them from a mile away. You know, they've never been here before. Um, but we're glad to have you. Uh, the other thing that I would mention, uh, just by way of announcement, um, try hard to be here Sunday morning. We're going to do something fun. There's nothing dramatic, just something fun. Um, I think you'll enjoy it. Um, I think it's, it's, um, it's something that ought to be done, and, and uh, just do your best. Um, so if you uh, throw out your back on Saturday night, you know, take some Advil and, uh, and try to be here on, on Sunday morning. I, I think you'll enjoy what's, what's planned for you. Guys, um, you may recall we're studying the, the Apostles' Creed, uh, something that we use around here once a month. Here's where we are. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day, he rose again from the dead. That's where we are. The third day, he rose again from the dead. Now, guys, we'll, we'll probably take two weeks on that, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a minute, but part of the reason is I don't know how long these vocal cords can hold out. Um, so you're going to get off cheap tonight. Um, I, I won't be droning on and on for 35 minutes. We might make it to 25. We'll, we'll just see. But the other reason that, that, um, that I want to take two weeks to do it is that I want to go through it slowly. Um, one of the things that I, I, I want to show you right off the bat um, is in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And, um, and I'm going to read it to you. And being the intelligent people that you are, and I mean that seriously, you're not, um, you're not brain dead, um, but Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now guys, if you wanted to take a stab at being a, a commentator, that is someone writes a commentary and try to explain that verse, what would you say about it? It's not that difficult, but you notice it says um, people being saved are, um, are people who have two little um, earmarks to them. They confess with their mouth, Jesus is Lord of their lives, and they believe in their hearts 
Look at it. That God raised him from the dead. Now, I, I, I start like that to, to tell you um, this is an essential piece of Christian um, it, Christianity and the resurrection stands or falls together. Okay. So, um, where is, you, you could probably um, not find some statement like this about his second coming. Didn't say that about the second coming. It doesn't say uh, about, that, about the uh, communion of saints. But over this matter, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, it is an essential. And consequently, I want to spend tonight and next week on it. Um, there is a lot of heartburn that seems to um, uh, infect Christians over the, uh, the, the resurrection, which we'll talk about in a minute. But guys, um, in, in, the, in the first century, the scandal for the Greeks and for the Jews was the crucifixion. That was a scandal. A scandalous. But today, the intellectual scandal is the resurrection. Um, science and technology have explained it away. Um, or so they would have you think. Jesus only rises in your hearts. Um, it did not occur in time and space. It is a myth. Its source of origin is the first century church. Now, um, that's what the unbelieving world thinks about this whole idea that we're talking about. But even Christians have a, a great deal of unnecessary heartburn, I think, over trying to, um, to, to settle in with that real confidence about this thing, about his resurrection. For instance, um, the, old, the, the, the whole idea of on the third day, he rose in there, and people say, wait a minute, how do you get the third days in there? You know, and I, I don't know, what, I, I, I don't understand. When was he crucified? You know, and they... Um, they're troubled over the three days, you know? Um, guys, there's a lot of possible explanations, and very frankly, I don't know which one is the right one. But there are a lot of possible um, explanations of this three-day thing. For instance, um, there's a difference in the Hebrew calendar and the Gregorian calendar. The one that you and I use, a modern calendar, is called a Gregorian calendar. But there's differences in the Hebrew calendar and a Gregorian calendar. Not only that, secondly, there's a difference in, in the way that Jesus... Um, you know, I ate too much of that cheesecake over the, uh, the holidays. And I, I just can't keep anything attached. Um, so, but there's a... You could also say that, uh, that Judaism and Christianity uh, have days that are different. For instance, the Sabbath in Judaism is, as you know, Saturday. But the Sabbath in Christianity is Sunday. And we believe that the Christian church moved the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday in celebration of the resurrection. 
but they're just, they're, there's, there's slips between the cup and the lip. That is, uh, wait a minute now, what about this day, this day? Let me tell you another uh, possibility. Um, Passover, um, uh, the Passover meal was on Thursday, um, or possibly Wednesday. Um, lambs were killed on Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, Christ was crucified on Friday about 9 a.m. He was dead by 3 p.m. and in a grave by 6 p.m., which is considered nightfall and a new day, a different day. And if uh, those of you who are going to Israel uh, in the coming days, you're going to see a spot where where it suggested that he was crucified and he was buried. And, and there's probably 150 yards between the two. Um, so it would be easy to take him down from the cross and have him in a, a, um, in a tomb quite readily. All, all I'm saying, guys, um, is that there are possible ways to explain what you think doesn't quite match up with your whole idea of solar three solar lunar days. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Let me show you another piece of heartburn for some Christians. It's in Matthew chapter 12. Um, uh, Jesus is speaking, and he talks about the prophet Jonah. Um, And he says in verse 40, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, guys, nobody... No, um, there's no way, uh, even in all those differences in dates and times and calendars, et cetera, et cetera, there's no way to squeeze out three nights and three days. Um, There has been an explanation by John Calvin, which is one I feel good about. He calls it synecdoche. Folks, if you're an English scholar, you know that that's a figure of speech. It is when you use the part to refer to the whole. For instance, if I were to say, we here in the South all love the red, white, and blue. Well, what am I saying? Am I referring to colors? Am I even referring to a flag? Or am I referring to a country? But I'm using the partial to reference the whole. I'll give you another one. Um, Just in from the White House. Well, ladies and gentlemen, does the White House ever say a thing? Well, if you're using the White House to refer to everything that's coming out of that building, you know, from people. But it's, it's the partial used to represent the whole. And that's what Calvin says is happening in, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. It's a synecdoche, okay? It's a figure of speech. All right. Now, um, guys, uh, hopefully with some settling of your heartburn, um, back in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, um, the, the defense of the resurrection was primarily done apologetically a lot of you like apology uh, apologetics um apologetics is not the theory of apologizing it's it's the 
it's a way to defend the faith. It's called apologetics. Well, back in the 70s, this, this book was the, the must-have. Uh, Evidences That Demand a Verdict by Josh McDowell. And the, 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 every pulpit that honored the scriptures around the country was preaching some kind of version of this apologetical message in defense of the resurrection. Um, and I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to, actually, I want to wait until next week to give you my, my whole defense. Um, but I want to give you a taste, uh, just a, a taste of what this is all about in terms of an apologetical defense of the resurrection. There were three major lines of argument in, in efforts like these. And by the way, I'm not, I'm not denigrating um, this effort. It was, a, it was a good piece of work. Josh Manal is a good brother, and it was very helpful for many. But the, the three lines of argument is, in, in terms of proof of the resurrection, was um, the empty tomb, the post-resurrection appearances, and um, the changed lives as a result of seeing a resurrected Savior. Okay, that was the three lines of argument that, that McDowell and others uh, took to teach and defend and protect a literal bodily resurrection. Now, let me just give you a taste of it, okay? Because really, I don't think this is the best way to go. Um, I, I think the best way to go is Christologically, and we'll talk about that before we quit, I hope. Um, but gang, um, let's take that first line of the empty tomb. So Josh McDowell says, um, how do you explain the empty tomb then to the, to the opponents of the resurrection? And they say, well, um, well number one, um, uh, the Jews stole it, stole the body. And then the apology re- replies, well, then all they had to do to stop all this talk about a physical bodily resurrection is just produce the body. They could have shut everybody up, just show them the body. <laughs> that makes sense. Or how about this? The disciples stole the body. That's where it went. Um, the disciples stole the body. Okay, people often die for things that they believe are truth, but I don't think you've ever heard of anybody dying for something that they knew to be a lie because they had the body and they were. So that's not a good uh, explanation. The, the most creative one, the most creative um, um, explanation of the empty tomb um, is, is something that's called the swoon theory. I, I hope you've not heard of this because I'd love to tell you about it. Um, the swoon theory. Um, it was first proposed by a theory. Ooh. Um, it, it, by Albert Schleiermacher. He was a German uh, theologian. And... Um, Here's what, he, here's what he said. You, you want me to explain the empty tomb? Here's what happened. Jesus really didn't die on the cross. He didn't die. He only swooned. He only swooned, and then he got out of there, and, um, and then he made some appearances later. Um, he made those appearances later and convinced people that he was resurrected. That's, that's the swoon theory. Now, what we are being asked to believe is that Jesus Christ, 
after six trials, scourging, a crown of thorns, crucifixion, burial, three days of no medical attention, moving of the stone, overpowering the guards, walked for miles, and in that state, he convinced crowds of 500 that he had resurrected from the dead. Um, and then, of course, where did the body go after that? All I'm trying to do for you guys is say this. The Christian church, um, or, or, or the New Testament, the only position that it will permit is for a literal, bodily, physical resurrection of the dead. But the world tells us I can't believe that anymore because science has disproved it. So the arguments that the church has produced in, in trying to defend her position, um, they have started out as apologetical. They're going to try to win the argument uh, via um, dialogue and discussion and logic. And so when the world comes up with this silly notion of a swing theory, then McDowell and others um, would answer, what are you asking me to believe? But that was one way or one um, method by which uh, the Christian church has tried to hold on to this thing known as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. Now, but guys... um, Next week, what I, would want, what I want to do with you, and I, want to, and I really wanted to do it slowly, and, and that's why we're going to do two weeks, is that I want to look with you uh, at the argument that's contained in 1 Corinthians 15. Because there's where the battle is won or lost. But, but ultimately, guys, there's, there's almost a better argument than that. I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not trying to dismiss apologetics. I mean, if you like apologetics, I remember Glenn Berenfine, he loves apologetics. And some of you might. I never got into it that big, um, um, but that is one method by which you might prove the resurrection. The other consideration that I want to offer you tonight and the next week, one more from the text, is a Christological argument. Logical. Um, Now, what, what do I mean by that? What do I mean by a Christological argument? Okay, guys, uh, I hope you got your Bibles. Um, um, if you can find um, Matthew 20, we'll start there. Matthew chapter 20, verse 19. Um, let, me, let, me, uh, let me start at 18. Matthew chapter 20, verse 18. Now, you go take a look at the text, and you'll figure out who the speaker is. It's very clear that the speaker is Christ. And he says, see, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priest and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And he will be raised on the third day. Now, gang, um, what did Jesus just teach? He's trying to tell the disciples what's, what's awaiting them, what's, you know, you know, right in their very near future. But Jesus Christ has just said that he's going to be raised on the third day. Folks, if that is not so, then everything collapses. 
Because Jesus Christ has just told you one big old fat lie. That's what I mean when the argument is Christological. Um, it depends on whether you believe that Jesus Christ lies or tells the truth. Because he says very clearly. Now, this next one is, I thought, really interesting. It's in Matthew 27. Because in, in this one, Jesus is not the speaker. Um, <coughs> pardon me. This is Matthew 27, verse 63. Um, and we find this. Uh, next day, that is, after the preparation, um, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that the imposter said, while he was still alive, after three days, I will rise. Now, gang, these are his enemies. They're going to Pilate and saying, give us the body so that we can prevent all this talk about a resurrection because we remember what this imposter said. He said he was going to rise from the dead in three days. And we want to make sure that uh, that kind of foolishness doesn't happen. But the point is, ladies and gentlemen, that all of his enemies knew of his claim. Everybody that hated him, everybody that was opposed to him, knew exactly what he had said and what he predicted and what he, was, uh, uh, what he claimed was going to happen. Now, 21 centuries later, we might, we might be confused, but they weren't. <coughs> they were not confused about what Jesus taught. He taught that he was going to rise from the dead. Now, again, it's a Christological argument. Is he going to rise from the dead or no? Because that's what he taught. Um, we could, um, I mean, I've got four more here, but it was, it's about the extent of my, Mark chapter 9, verse 31, Mark chapter 10, verse 34, Luke 18, 33, and Luke 24, 7. They all are saying the same thing, guys. You see, to carry the argument, um, into a, the world of apologetics is, is helpful. I think it's helpful for the Christian church. I think it's nice to know that we're logical and not insane and haven't committed intellectual suicide. I think it's good for us to know that. But ladies and gentlemen, um, this is one method by which the resurrection can be established. The other is, purely in reply to this question, what think ye of the Christ? Who is he? Because that nincompoop taught that he was going to rise from the dead. So, um, very frankly, if he did not rise from the dead, then what we've got on our hands is an imposter. And that's where the argument, I think, rises or falls. Really based on who you believe Jesus Christ is. Is he capable of telling lies, because he sure told that one if he didn't rise from the dead. Uh, very clearly, all of his enemies knew it. They understood quite clearly what Jesus had said. And boy, we don't want that, uh, that nonsense to start in our city. So let us have the body. So ladies and gentlemen, not only does Paul in Romans chapter 10 say that this is an essential part of the Christian message. I'm saying to you, <laughs> that's not a good thing to do. 
because I just put myself on the plane with Paul. I, I, scratch that. Um, uh, Paul teaches that it's an essential part of the Christian message, but one of the 21 century later underlings is saying to you, if he did not rise from the dead, don't come back here next week. Burn your Bibles. Stop all this foolishness. Spend your time somewhere else. Somewhere else. Because Jesus Christ can't be taught about, it can't be trusted over anything that he teaches. So folks, what's at stake here in the resurrection is your whole understanding of the person of Jesus Christ. I'm saying, as I said earlier, Christianity and the resurrection stand or fall together. Now, um, just one quick thing and I'll quit. Um, When Jesus is teaching about the resurrection, on most occasions when he does, before he finishes, he then turns to speak of yours. Several times Jesus says, and in the resurrection. Anyway, he's not referring to his, his own. He's referring to yours. Folks, all of this drivel that we produce at funerals is just that. If Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead. It's nonsense. It's hogwash. Uh, it didn't happen in uh, time and space. It's myth. That is the position of the culture in which we find ourselves. I'm saying to you that um, if he did not, the whole weight of Christianity collapses. We believe that on the third day, Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. Next week, we'll look at the biblical argument. Let's quit there. Our Father, um, we are people who are besieged by a world that wants to make us look unintelligent, um, silly, moronic, and oh God, it is not my intention to help us save our image, but it is my hope that as we take a look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that not only will we find ourselves more confident of over, over what took place, but that his resurrection might help us understand a little bit more about what we face when life is over. Because there are other resurrections because Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. Give your people a great sense of confidence, a great sense of hope. Might they know that as um, life's clock ticks down to zero, that what awaits them is their own private, personal resurrection. Might that 
speak peace to us as we lay our pillows on, lay our heads on our pillows tonight. We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening for tonight.